This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. You can call in toll-free and tell us your thoughts. This is Luther. Jason. And Pete. Ian and Mark are out of town tonight. They're in a conference down in Houston, so we're taking over. And you can, too, if you call in. Uh, so, uh, Pete, you just got back from Occupy Wall Street, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I was down there this past Saturday with a demo and a couple other friends from Keene, Rapture, and Redneck Nick. Yeah. It went pretty well. I think we're real productive. Also uh, joined by our buddy Alvin out there. He's uh, from Spanish Harlem and some other folks. We covered a lot of ground that day, and uh, folks were real receptive, man. It was it was cool. Yeah, so what was your goal uh, in going down there? What was uh, the idea? Well, just to do outreach? Yeah, going to Occupy was just part of the day. We also went to a Students for Liberty conference in the morning and uh, a national rally to end police brutality that the October 22nd coalition had uh, that afternoon. So we went down there to... Uh, Occupy in the evening and night, and uh, for me personally, it's just to share ideas. I mean, I think it's a target-rich environment. There's a lot of people down there mm-hmm. that are uh, disillusioned with the status quo, so it's just go down there, have conversations, and, um, you know, that's it. That's it for me. Yeah, I think try to expose the them to, yeah. uh, to the voluntarist option, Definitely. basically. Let them know that there's something else out there. Right. Well, I have something here from OccupyWallStreet.org, and... I know that we've talked about on this show before uh, stuff from this website. Uh, this website had a list of demands uh, a few weeks ago. It was stuff like raise the minimum wage to twenty dollars, um, uh, all kinds of outrageous stuff like that. You know, and yeah. this one, and I've seen other articles on this website, OccupyWallStreet dot org, where they say that the real enemy here is neoliberalism, and you can uh, wiki that. But they point to things like uh, the Chicago School and Milton Friedman's influence and. Things like that, but a lot of things that they describe are corporatism. But I'm not sure. Is this the official voice of the occupation movement? I don't think so. That's hard to say. I mean, they it is occupywallstreetst.org. Uh, I mean, I, they, it's just whoever got to that uh, domain name first, I guess. Right. You know, and and started posting stuff. And Adbusters, who is the organization that came up with the concept of people occupying Wall Street, they link to this site heavily. So it has it certainly has a voice, but I think the occupation is made up of a bunch of individuals, and it would be hard to um, express all of their voices on one website. Sure, sure. Well, the title of this article is, We Need to Create a Parallel Economy, and it was submitted by a user named Non Richer. Uh, Warning, if you are a person who wants to be rich someday, who who want to be a millionaire or a billionaire, not wants, uh, don't read the text below. It's not for you. Well, guys, I guess I can't read this anymore. Uh, does somebody else want to take over? Uh, you're closer to the screen. Continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do want to be rich someday. Um, it's time uh, to the people who don't want to be rich to unite and create a parallel economy. Uh, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be a millionaire or a billionaire. I don't want to have a. I only want to have a decent life with dignity and solidarity. I know that there are millions of people like me. Maybe we are the majority of the population. You may call us we may call ourselves the non-richers. Uh non-richers don't want to be rich. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh we the non-richers have the power to create a parallel economy designed to promote solidarity and cooperation. The mainstream economy is designed to make a few people rich, while the majority are exploited and treated like objects. We can split ourselves from the mainstream economy. We can create a parallel economy. Uh, He's kind of being repetitive here, but uh, we don't need to create an isolated society to do this. We don't need to create any rural community. We can do this living in the same cities that we live in today. 
We also don't need to make any violent revolution. Violent revolutions never end well. We don't need to oppress the assholes who want to be rich. We simply ignore them. The parallel economy should be a solidarity economy, a cooperative economy. Uh, It could be composed by a nationally coordinated network of workers, cooperatives, consumers... So consumer ad- cooperatives. So they're advocating for NGOs. a nation in this document. They would- uh, nationwide, I think, is what they're thinking about. It would be almost a sub-nation, just an economy that would be widespread. Oh, um, okay. well. I don't see any definition between a certain arbitrary political boundary, but I, f- I find nothing I take issue with. I mean, if certain individuals want to form such an association and trade amongst each other and not impose it on others, then so be it. Sure, sure, and I, I agree. In fact, that's the idea behind agorism, which is something we've talked about on this show. Is something I am very much a, a supporter of, and I know that uh, you guys are as well. Um, yeah, I, I like everything also, except, uh, I mean, if people want to be rich, that's great. I mean, right. I, I, yeah. I, I think we're all going to be um, millionaires one day with the way inflation is going. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So I don't know about any cap on this. Uh, you, you know, anyway. Right, right. Obviously, this person... They have at least access to a computer and the internet, so they they don't want to live in abject poverty. I mean, I think there's they're probably just saying a difference between like this opulent lifestyle that they see that exists because of the state, you know, and not just like having your basic needs met. Well, it sounds to me like they they want to create their own uh, uh, co- uh, socialist economy, which I think is fine as long as I don't have to participate in yeah, it. Exactly. Which it doesn't sound like they they say I have to. Now, when you say a socialist economy, what do you mean? Like a gift economy? Um. Well. Like, you know, uh, everybody co-owns everything, everybody sh- uh, shares the wealth, you know, everybody, the uh, profits are divided equally, that sort of stuff. Mm. Well, uh, what we're seeing in the occupation and, and Wall Street is that the people that are serving food for 18 hours a day um, are uh, don't want to continue uh, feeding people that aren't producing, that aren't there for the occupation, and that they may be there, they may be homeless and they're just showing up there because there's plenty of food That's and there's true. plenty of money, but they don't want to spend all their time doing that, so... They're already seeing a downfall into that model. Sure, sure. Well, these uh, he claims that these are the three basic pillars of the parallel economy. Uh, the cooperative patent office, which right away I'm not too excited about. The cooperative bank. Cooperative banks are okay. Uh, I have a federal credit union um, that I use. And uh, the co-op mart, uh, which would be a cooperative competitor to Walmart. Um, so they're saying that the three tiers would be... Uh, the Patent Office, which would be an organization to coordinate and register non-commercial open patents. An open patent is an open source patent. Uh, those patents would be the basis for technological innovation in the cooperatives that are the part of the parallel economy. Uh, so, do, do they tease out what would happen if, a, uh, if, say, one of us not active in that particular form of economy uh, produced something and then... It says that only the cooperatives that are members of the parallel economy should be allowed to use those patents for free, no royalties. So really, what can they do? I mean, and if it's right. open sourced, what's the point of even having a, a patent office? Yeah, like, just put it on the internet yeah, and what's share the information. Mechanism? Yeah, it, it's sort of self-defeating. Um, the cooperative bank is the financial basis of the parallel economy. This transparent and democratically controlled bank would be the provider of credit to the cooperatives including the newly started cooperatives. It should be a kind of national credit union. Uh, All the non-richers should hold accounts in this bank and make it stronger. The cooperative bank is crucial to the development of the parallel economy. It will be the source of funds to the new cooperatives. Now, I think 
I think that having a, an alternative bank is a good idea. I don't think it's necessarily crucial to having an, an alternative economy. I mean, it certainly helps out a lot because then you have a, a safe place to store your wealth. Sure, but they say bank instead of banks or, you know, Right, a, so it a, sounds a like it wants to be centralized. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, yeah, they just have one bank for their community, it sounds like. So it's... But I don't know, would they have inflation? Would they have... Uh, would they charge? I, I don't know. Like, would they have their own money? It doesn't really say. It sounds like an attempt to centralize some of the uh, functions of the occupation. But when, what I like about the occupation is it's decentralized. Right, right. Yeah, which is what I like about agorism is right. that it's just everybody working f- towards a common goal of success, basically. Mm-hmm. And the finally, the co-op mart would be the commercialization channel to the products made by the cooperatives. It would be the cooperative uh, competitor to Walmart. It would be a national chain of cooperative supermarkets. It should be one of the first cooperatives to be established because it will be the link between the workers' com- co- cooperatives and the non-richer consumers. So they'd be making their products and selling their products to each other, and this the mart would be the medium that they would do that in, which isn't a you know a terrible idea. I mean, uh, you can see markets like that pop up in the in a black economy or a gray economy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, wherever there's demand, yeah. But why not have a, a lot of markets, a lot right. of banks, right? I mean, and have them compete. Yeah, open banking. Co- oh, well, he claims that this is about cooperation, not competitiveness. Oh, we cooperate all the time, us agorists. So sure. those of us that believe in the counter economics. Sure, yeah. sure. It's so more, peaceful. more on this in your calls coming up. This is Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero three seven three three. More coming up. All around the world, people are achieving success and making their dreams come true. You can be one of them. Whether it's wealth, happiness, business, or relationships, the only thing keeping you from achieving your goals is the desire to be successful and the know-how to achieve it. At AllSuccessClub.com, you'll find the information you need to succeed from those who've already achieved it. Set your life on the path to success now at AllSuccessClub.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the number you can call in, talk about anything you want from the political to the personal. This is Luther tonight. And Jason. And Pete. And Mark and Ian are, of course, out of town. Uh, They're at a talkers convention, talking it up, I guess. That's what they do. So they left me here in charge, and uh, we, we were talking about the Occupy Wall Street and the idea of creating a parallel economy. This was put forth by... Just some user on the OccupyWallStreet.org website, um, and his idea sounds, uh, you know, he's got the idea right. His heart's in the right place, it seems, but he just is misunderstood about a few concepts or unclear about some other stuff. Um, and we actually have Status Doug on the line. Uh, Doug, are you with us? Doug, are you? Hey, all right, uh, and you had some questions actually about the cooperative bank. Is that right? Yeah, man. I just want to know, dude, what is that guy smoking, dude? He thinks some <laughs> some like national credit union is going to replace banking, and some national Walmart is going to replace retail stores. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> 
Right. It sounds like pretty much like what we have now, except it's just cooperatively owned instead of a corporation. Except you're going to take a gun. All right, so here's the plan, dude. Here's, here's the status plan. All right, I'm going to take my gun. I'm going to take it out of my pocket. I'm going to stick it at your head, and I'm going to say, hey, you're going to pay for Walmart. You're going to pay for the status Walmart, and everybody's going to shop here, or else I'll shoot you. I don't think he's uh, – no, he's talking about creating an alternative to uh, other options. I don't think that he's talking about using uh, – forcing people to do that. And by the, uh, the term national is a bit confusing, but I don't believe that he's talking about uh, within the uh, geographic boundaries of the United States of America. Doug, you uh, – I think, I think they're just advocating for an institution that people who uh, share similar beliefs all, you know, cater uh, – utilize instead of having accounts at – currently corporate banks or doing some other mechanism. Yeah, but he wants the government to do that, right? No, I mean, that's doesn't sound like it. I, I haven't heard it. Yeah, I, I, he, he hasn't mentioned it here in the article at all. Um, it sounds to me like it, it's going to be, you know, uh, like a club, you know, it will be member-owned and member-operated and member-supported. Well, we have that, though. I mean, you have that everywhere. You have credit unions yeah. everywhere. The market provides that stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, that's true, and and there are cooperatives everywhere as well. Yeah, yeah so, it's all good. Sounds like this uh, gentleman just wants uh, some big cooperatives to compete against the big corporations uh, or the big government. See, that's that's where that's where I'm, I guess I'm confused because I, I it sounded to me when when you were explaining it that he wanted like the state to kind of come in and say, hey, we're going to start this cooperative and. You know, everything's going to be great. Everybody's, oh my God, everything's going to be perfect. He doesn't mention that exclusively, but generally you do have to register your cooperative as a business with the government. Hmm. Uh, All right. Uh, Anything else on your mind tonight, Doug? Yeah, man. I just think uh, I like Walmart and I like the big banks, dude. Uh, Great (laughs) capitalism. All right. Well, thanks for your call, Doug. Uh, so, what do you guys think? Do you guys know. like Walmart and the big banks? I mean, that's crony capitalism. You know, they get a lot of uh, favors uh, because of this institution of government. You know, the the government has a gun. They big companies lean on the government to steal land from other people, get it. Uh, you know, private to private transfer after the kilo decision. So, I mean, it just there's no incentive for them to uh, be. Uh, provide any good or service any better than the market would, uh, let alone they're providing things that I don't think most people would want to pay for. So uh, that that we Walmart, see, well, the government, but in that we see spill over to these uh, the, the crony capitalism that we see today. Sure, sure, they definitely get you know plenty of handouts or back rubs from their buddies. You know whether it's eminent domain, you right. know taking people's land so that they can put up a supermarket. Or right, trade subsidies, barriers, you know, yeah, yeah. barriers, all, all that stuff. Yeah, recently, uh, not recently, probably within a year, uh, Walmart uh, decided to take sides with the government and say, you know, you're right, we should have a minimum wage and we should actually raise the minimum wage. But when you get so large, um, when you're the size of Walmart, you can afford that. You can, you know, just pass pass it on your customers, maybe absorb some of it. But your competitors can't. So, and they all have to pay this minimum wage. And so, a lot of them have to go out of business, making um, uh, more people go to Walmart. So, that was a strategic decision on their part. Um, like Pete said, uh, eminent domain—they're a big abuser as far as using the government to take property so that they can build WalMarts on it. I don't think. You can have uh, corporations as large as you do today without the state. 
And so if you want to see uh, you know, more decentralization, smaller corporations, um, go to that uh, legal fiction that creates them, which is the state. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to Ray in Washington. He wants to talk about New Hampshire taxes. Ray, you there? Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? What's up, Ray? Good, good. This gives me a perfect chance where the, the bigwigs are going to ask some personal questions about taxes okay. in the state of, of New Hampshire. I did a little research. I was on the other night, Luther, you were on, and I was questioning you about your taxes at work. Right. And uh, and Ian, uh, uh, I had this discussion with him. So I wanted to, for you guys to let me know about some taxes. I've looked up online, and you guys actually, since you don't have a sales tax and an income tax, but you got some pretty progressive taxes there. You're talking about um, uh, with uh, with the housing market and restaurants and like bed yeah, taxes. Yeah, the housing market and restaurants. You pay yeah. a, uh, a tax on a meal there, don't you? Yeah, we yeah. sure do. Like it's nine percent, but what we Ho- uh, hotel rooms too. Yeah, we, yeah. we encourage people to um, not go out to uh, to dinner and instead cook for for each other. At least I do, and I always right, try to buy right. um, agorous meals using uh, counter economic principles because it doesn't make any sense. To have a, a liberty gathering, and you have to pay right. the state nine percent for that. Right. You see, in Washington, where I live, we have a sales tax, but you have an interest in dividend tax there that would make it so anybody with large amounts of money that wouldn't be a good state to move to uh, your your state because you can't get away from that five percent tax on uh, your dividends and interest only if you're don't have money, you know, small amounts of money. If you're somebody who has uh, five or six million dollars, that's a pretty progressive tax. Sure. Is that tax applied directly to the bank accounts here in New Hampshire? Yeah, yeah, to dividends and interest of a certain amount. You have to have over a certain amount, but once it starts hooking on in the million dollars, that's a huge tax. That's 5,000 for every million dollars. So if you got four million dollars, that's twenty thousand dollars. Can you compare that to other states? Uh, you know, uh, most other states are going to have an income tax. What you guys do, another thing I noticed, you guys have a fair amount of debt, and this is what I was hey, talking to Ian by, about By the, the way, day. let me just jump in. You say you guys, um, the, um, sta- okay. the state it's of... you guys, not you, unless you're buying gasoline. Well, no, no, the state of New Hampshire is a criminal organization, and I, I don't have uh, much to do with them at all. Um, right, they just have a he- They have a heavy right? gang presence here, so I'm not right. responsible for those taxes, and I'm not responsible for any debt that they have okay. or... Do you buy do you buy gasoline? I uh, have been known to, yes. Yeah, okay. So you got a twenty cent a gallon gasoline tax there, and you cannot get away from the federal gallon gasoline tax. That's almost that's eighteen point four in every state. So whether or not you want to try to get away from you can't there. Okay? Well there's so, always ways. Uh, that's just people more more people here advocating the ideal, so we'll get there sooner. Thanks for the call, Ray. Uh Six or eight five five four five zero three seven three three. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9.
This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the number. Call in, talk about whatever you want. And check out the Shrine, the Shrine of Free Male Listeners. Uh, millions of, li- not millions, uh, many ladies have taken the time to post their validated pictures over at the Shrine of Female Listeners. Could I wish it millions, was millions. Millions one day. Yeah, millions one day. Uh, so check it out at shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, continuing on with uh, Occupy Wall Street, Jason, I believe you have an article to share with us. Yeah, so before uh, Luther wrote a story in a show prep about the uh, another economic system that uh, I guess one writer uh, suggested, I guess all of us at this uh, table, uh, three of us co-hosting tonight, we're advocates of uh, counter-economics, uh, agorism. It's a, it's a good word to Google um, to learn more, but it's far it's a lot more decentralized than what you described uh, that this one occupier wanted. But this article is in The Economist. Uh, its title is Leaderless Consensus-Based Participatory Democracy and Its Discontents. And I thought it was a good overview about how um, they govern themselves at the occupation. Uh, I'll just I'll read a little bit. Occupy Wall Street is not a mass protest movement intended to draw attention to economic injustice and political corruption. Uh, it seeks to embody and thereby to demonstrate the feasibility of certain ideas of participatory democracy. This is, to my mind, what makes OWS so interesting and so unlike a Tea Party protest. OWS is not simply a group of like-minded people gathered together to make a point with a show of collective force, though it is that. The difference is that it has developed into an ongoing micro-society with a micro-government that directly exemplifies a principled alternative to the prevailing American order. The complaint that OWS has failed to produce a coherent list of demands seems to me to miss much of the point of the encampment in Zuccotti Park. The demand is a society more like the little ones OWS protesters have mocked up in the park. The mode of governance is the message. And what is the message of the, quote, General Assembly, the governing body of the original uh, financial district occupation. According to its website, quote, New York General Assemblies are an open, participatory, and horizontally organized process through which we are building the capacity co- to constitute ourselves in public as autonomous, collective forces within and against the constant crisis of our times. So what do you guys think about all that, about them trying to form their own government within New York City? I mean, I can tell you it's very time-intensive. I would not want to live in a society where I had to meet twice a day to hash stuff out with everybody. I mean, they, the, the horizontal um, you know, decision-making process is hyped up, and I definitely think it's a better one. At least there's conversations that are had, and it's not so much top-down. But, you know, I've been to, occupy, to general assemblies where, you know, there's someone with a block or folks that have completely different views trying to, you know, win out. Essentially, you got to, at some point, think conclude that, People have different ideas at some points, and that's fine, just to each their own. But there is definitely areas for agreement, like the anti-war issue. I think that should be something the Occupy movement everywhere embraces and um, agrees upon, as far as I can tell. What do you think, Luther? Uh, well, I think if you're going to start a, a, if you want to start a government, it should be a voluntary association. I shouldn't have to be forced to be a part of it or to be subject to its rules or decisions. Um, and that I'm fine with, you know, as long, like if you want to have your own little, uh, micronation, fine, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I'm perfectly okay with that. 
Well, what, uh, you, that's interesting that you bring that up because at the very end of the article, um, they recommend uh, seasteading <laughs> if you want this type of government. But um, let me continue. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so um, it, this all sounds a bit academic, but uh, whether you're having trouble parsing this or not, uh, this piece by Dan Barrett on the academic roots of OWS governing ideology is incredibly helpful. Mr. Barrett focuses on the influence of David Graeber and ethnographer, anarchist, and reader in anthropology at the University of London's Goldsmiths campus. Mr. Graeber was impressed by the people of Bitafo and the Madagascar who ruled themselves through the process of consensus uh, decision-making, demonstrating the left anarchist ideal of, quote, democracy without government. Mr. Graeber applied what he learned in his anthrographic work in some of the left-wing anti-globalization protests of the 1990s and has now brought his experience to bear on Wall Street, laying the groundwork for OWS's experiment in participatory democracy. As Mr. Barrett reports, quote, Soon after the magazine Adbusters published an appeal to set up peaceful barricade on Wall Street, Mr. Graeber spent six weeks in New York helping to plan the demonstrations before an initial march by protesters on September 17th, which culminated in the occupation. Interesting. So it sounds like um, he had all this planned and had a lot of the key people that were involved in this buy-in early on, and they just implemented it in their little micro-nation of sorts. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I I, I appreciate what you had to say, Pete, about it taking uh, a long time, but I I am interested in how people um, can get organized without the state and govern themselves. Um, But I think, uh, you know, property rights are important, uh, but also you have to have, like, social norms for people to understand, you know, what property rights are. And a lot of these occupiers, you know, they're sharing space, they're sharing food, they have donations that currently total more than $300,000, so they need to decide, like, how that money is spent. I don't know. Do you guys have any recommendations about how you would run things? I mean, I think uh, the more decentralized, the better. You know, the fear initially of, of the Occupy movement was that it would get co-opted. At least my one of my hesitations or worries was that it would be co-opted from the left, from the Democrats, as the Tea Party was from the right, from the Republicans. So I just think uh, the more decentralized, the better. And like up here at Occupy New Hampshire and Manchester, Occupy Keene, there's uh, been some good activists that have gone out there and, uh, you know, essentially just say, hey, if you have an idea, run with it. So, you know, maybe you don't need these committees, just like more spontaneous um, like ground up stuff. Like if someone is a good communicator and a lot of people have uh, interest to hear what they're saying, you know, then they could just, you know, sit in a corner of, you know, sit on one area of the park and just share some thoughts and have a conversation or lead a session or do some skills training or whatever. But instead everyone's forced into these, using these hand signals and, you know, it's, it's, it still is a little bit rigid, at least for me. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, naturally, leaders will uh, if, come out of a society. I mean, people will, will follow who they want to follow, and you don't necessarily have to fo- all follow the same person. Definitely, you can follow your own leader. You can be your own leader, and um, I I think that happens in all animal societies. You know, they all have some kind of hierarchy that just evolves naturally. I mean, bees don't vote on a queen. You know, apes don't. Uh, it will just follow the alpha male. They won't. You know, Jimmy won't show up and be like, well, I want to be the alpha male now. Too bad, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that humans are capable of the same thing because we are animals and uh, it's we're amazing animals because we can cooperate, we, can, we have language, we have um, 
uh, you know, the ability to use very complex technology and create it and think abstractly. So I think that we, if any species out there, has a better chance. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of the people at the occupation don't like hierarchies, but although that's not true, they, they, a lot of them like government a lot. They just don't like um, corporations. But uh, I don't mind hierarchy, actually. I mean, I, I like efficiency, um, and there are economies of scale where, you know, uh, it's more affordable to produce things on a, on a mass level, and I, I can appreciate that as a consumer. But um, I would like for them to be uh, more natural and not uh, government-influenced. Right. Maybe one of the uh, examples of the decentralization I was trying to advocate could be, for example, instead of just a general donation to Occupy Wall Street, it could be like, you know, divvied up between like security, sanitation, food, whatever, like even like drill it down a little bit further. So it's actually like little micro giving. Yeah. And what I saw at the occupation when I was there a couple of weeks ago was uh, they had a general assembly and they had to rush it because um, they needed to. Um, spend $3,000 on the sanitation of the park. This is before um, Bloomberg was threatening to uh, kick everybody out for the sanitation concerns. And so uh, they had a general assembly. They pushed it through, and but it was time-consuming, and the bank was getting ready to close. So I think there's better alternatives, but I'm glad they're thinking of alternatives. It's better than the state. Yeah, I think necessity will probably uh, su- uh, supply them with alternatives. So eight five five four five zero three seven three three. What do you, what are your thoughts on Occupy Wall Street? Um, are they doing a good job with this consensus? Are they not? Uh, more coming up. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency, and it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Welcome back to Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Call in and talk about anything you want. This is Luther. Jason. And Pete. And we're filling in for Ian and Mark while they're down in Houston at the Talkers Convention. Uh, And we're talking about Occupy Wall Street and whether it's effective or not. Um, Now, Pete, you had mentioned uh, while on the break, over the break, I don't know if you want to talk about this again, but you were talking about uh, your experience down there. Did you care to share that again? Uh, regarding uh, the Occup- signs. And, Occupy and New Hampshire, you're talking about? Oh, were you at Occupy New Hampshire? Occupy New Hampshire. Oh, okay. Yeah, up in Manchester. Okay. I, I could go into it if you'd like. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, so uh, Occupy New Hampshire is, uh, you know, all, every Occupy uh, event that I've gone to has a little different vibe, different people involved, so it's pretty cool to see and uh, know what's going on. But uh, I got to Occupy New Hampshire in Manchester like almost a week into it because I'd been in Keene before that. And so just getting up to speed and seeing what was going on, you know, there was a contingent of folks there advocating that uh, a sign be made that says no alcohol or drugs used and other folks who were saying, well, that doesn't need to happen. And I, you know, piped up and said, hey, individuals are responsible for their actions. We shouldn't ban a substance or not. It should be behavior that we're concerned about. And, you know, if need be, deal with it if something happens. But 
um, you know, individuals are responsible. So anyway, they ended up uh, putting a sign up, and uh, later that evening, some uh, police officers parked and came up and said uh, that they got on some guy for drumming. It was like 1030. There's no residential around, and uh, they were talking to the protesters who were, like, placating, essentially, like, just the cops were fished for information, and they were being fed it, and uh, – and, um, the cops at one point were like asking about the homeless people, and they're like, "Well, we put up signs to say, you know, no, no booze in here and stuff like that." And I was like, "You guys are, you know, making these in, ascribing characteristics to individuals based on a, a group status that you see them as." And I said, "You know, if anything, I said we should talk about your guys' use." I said because law enforcement has the highest alcoholism rate, and you know, some of the people there were like, "Oh, that's too far," and I was like, "Why is that too far? It's a fact." You know, and I started trying sure. to talk about the relationship and the power dynamic about, you know, folks that wear the badges, they just use force or they threaten force. And earlier that day when the cops had showed up, uh, you know, there's a, a guy there from, from town, from West Manch. He drove his own RV there and for almost a week had been people had donated food. He'd been feeding folks. And uh, at one point, the uh, these cops came over and asked to speak to the leader. And I said, hey, no one's in charge here. And eventually another guy came over and he started talking to the cops. They walked away a little bit to get out of earshot. So I walked over there live streaming and I said, hey, do you mind if I film to the uh, to the occupier? And he said, well, we're trying to have a good rapport. So he essentially asked me not to film. And so, I mean, I disagree with him, but I respected him. So I, I walked away. But at, in that conversation, it was when uh, the police officers, um, the folks who were in badges said, you know, after 11 p.m., if some people are here, we're going to make arrests. And then a couple of days later, after they had moved to another park, uh, they did arrest five people and uh, issued 14 summons. So, and, and you covered that all. You had it live streamed on uh, copblock.org, right? Right, right. Wow. Yeah, I, I saw that, and uh, it was it – was, I'm glad you documented the, the footage there, but it was a shame. And like you said, just days before, people were trying to placate the police. But if they – once they get the, uh, the order to remove people, you'll see it. You'll see what they did in Boston – where they had uh, a park surrounded by law enforcement with dump trucks for all their tents and stuff. Right. Have you seen that picture from Phoenix? And then just in Oakland, you know, uh, yesterday morning, 5 a.m., they roll in there, 500 cops, rubber bullets. Sure, Grenade sure. canisters, helicopters. I mean, Have you guys heard about some of the retaliation that groups like Anonymous have been doing against uh, police officers for their mass arrests? They've uh, been publicly outing them, right, and releasing uh, confidential files and yeah, details yep. about the officers themselves. Passwords uh, for their uh, uh, union uh, websites, you mm-hmm. know, their membership websites and uh, Facebook information, uh, cell phone information, all kinds of stuff like that. I think if there's people out there that are um, aggressing against others, I think that information should be out there and, sure, and, sure. and so people can be warned. Now, did you guys see Dave Ridley's video from Occupy New Hampshire where a gentleman who lived in the area came out and was threatening to come down with boys with baseball bats and chase the protesters out? The occupiers chase them out? Yes, chase uh, the occupiers. I did not see that video. Yeah, I think I missed it. I saw oh, okay. his earlier one, though. Yeah, he, well, his complaint was that uh, they were just being too loud. He's like, you, you can do it all, all day long if you want, but when, it, when the sun goes down, please be quiet. But he didn't handle that in a proper way, I feel, because he, he came out, he didn't say, please be quiet. He came out saying, if you don't be quiet, I'll come out here with my, my friends and we're going to beat you guys down. Yeah, that's not the way to do it. No, yeah, not so, at all. But he, he chose not to outsource the violence to the state. He was going to take care of that himself with, right. the, with the posse. Mm. Yep. So, uh, uh, Pete, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, I, I just, I guess I'll briefly touch on the, uh, the October 22nd coalition rally that I mentioned, uh, just... It's the 16th annual one they've had. They've had it in uh, a number of cities in North America uh, this past year. Essentially, it's a uh, 
organization that tries to uh, give a voice to victims of police brutality. A lot of folks who spoke have lost loved ones to uh, aggressive actions by people with badges. And just hearing these stories, I mean, it was really, for me, really like um, it struck a nerve, you know, just like the, it's it's not isolated incidents. And there's a pattern of this these kind of things. And I mean, more and more people are seeing it now thanks to the existence of inexpensive video technology and and you know, the internet and stuff like that, but it's just, it, I mean, one is too many and it's just, it's ridiculous, but I don't know. I guess I'm, this all ties back to transparency and, and uh, a lot of the reasons these folks with badges aren't being held accountable uh, is because they're, they have some, these legal fiction like sovereign immunity and stuff. And it's just uh, ridiculous, but more and more people are starting to see this. And I think uh, rightly so hold them advocate for accountability. And Sure. Sure. And actually, I have a, an article here from The Guardian uh, from the United Kingdom about police brutality and charges sweep across the U.S., it's entitled. Uh, Officer Michael Derajita Jati um, had no idea that the FBI was listening to his phone calls. Otherwise, he probably would not have described his arrest and detention of an innocent black New Yorker in a manner he did. Uh, Derajati... Uh, or Derag Jati, I guess, uh, boasted to a woman friend that while on patrol in Staten Island, he had fried another mm, uh, it was no big deal, uh, he added. The FBI, which had been investigating another matter, then tried to work out what happened. According to court documents released in New York, Derag Jati uh, and his partner had randomly stopped and frisked a black man who had become angry and asked for Derag Jati's name and badge number. Uh, the officer, 32, and with eight years on the force, had no reason to stop the man and had found nothing illegal, but he arrested him and fabricated an account of him resisting arrest. The man, now referred to in papers only as John Doe because of fears for his safety, spent two nights in jail. He had merely been walking alone through the neighborhood. Uh, uh, this is the New York Police Department? Yes. Oh, wow. I had some run-ins with them when I was at the occupation. and. Yeah. Um, and this is a recent story that happened? Wow. That's... Uh, yes, this is uh, from The Guardian. It's actually about stories all over uh, the country, including uh, Naomi Wolf, yeah. uh, her arrest, you know, which obviously made headlines, uh, or some headlines, not really in the mainstream media. They they don't even know who she is. Can I jump in with my own story with the sure, New York sure. Police Department? So I was uh, interviewing uh, Ethan Lee Vida, uh, a friend of mine who spends a lot of time in the Shire, but he was in, at the occupation as well. and. We just uh, we needed a, a place away from the crowd so that uh, it would be a good audio for this video that I was uh, shooting. And so we got in front of this big piece of art. There was really nobody around, but it was in front of yet another uh, skyscraper, um, corporate-type building. They didn't recognize the name of the uh, the corporation. But So I'm interviewing him for a while, and then this officer shows up. He was actually in a blue turtleneck, but he was one of the white shirts. So he's one of the uh, the officers with the uh, New York Police Department. Uh, you, one of the superiors, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all police officers. But he was um, one of the people in charge. I think he was like a lieutenant or something. And so um, he tells us to take off. And uh, I, my feet didn't move at all. Um, I, I was going to continue the interview. And so I had all this on uh, camera because I was interviewing Ethan when this guy shows up. But I, I'm like, uh, you know, look, look around. There's nobody around us. We're not blocking anything. This is a, a large sidewalk with a piece of art on it, and we're next to the art. Um, and I, I say, like, you know, why? What's, what's your justification for, for bothering us? And uh, there can't possibly be a law that uh, would make us uh, leave. 
And so, anyway, he got his uh, shoe right uh, on top of my shoe. Didn't um, it was like right next to it? And then when I told him to look around, there was nobody around. He um, he didn't put his hands on me, but he you know pushed me because we were so close. That, and he was a large guy, just trying to intimidate me. Um, and I'm like, wow, you know, this this is exactly what uh, the protesters are complaining about, and all the th- all the dirty things that you hear about New York City police. Cops. I mean, this guy just did not care that it's all on <laughs> did video. Did you say that to him? Um, well, I, I tried to interview him at that point because yeah. I mean, the camera was rolling, and then then he walked off. He actually walked inside to the uh, the corporate office and talked to who I think is one of their security guys. But it was it was pretty dirty, dirty dealings. Wow, sounds like it. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Call in. Tell us about your experience down at Occupy, wherever. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. More can up with When the power goes out for any length of time, you've got problems, starting with food that's going bad, even in the freezer. No communications, living by candlelight or flashlight, it's a bad place to be. The solar flare cycle is heating up and has already done damage to the grid. NASA and NOAA tell us that next year and in 2013, it will take down large sections of the grid for days or weeks at a time. Hurricanes and floods also cut power for several days or weeks. You can protect yourself now. The SG-1 Solar Generator by Sound Wisdom produces 5,000 watts of household current, comes with 230 amp hours of battery, 220 watt solar panels, and a built-in battery maintainer desulfator. This is the only portable system you can add as many batteries or solar panels as you like. It will also convert power from windmills, water wheels, DC welders, or gas generators, any source of 12-volt DC power. See it now at freetalklivesolar.com. Technicians are standing by now to answer your questions even during the Sunday night show. FreeTalkLiveSolar.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855. 855- Four five zero three seven three three. Mark and Ian are out, so the lunatics have taken over the asylum. This is Luther. Woohoo! It's Jason and Pete. And we were, over the break, we were talking about competing currencies, and every so often, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society: the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, amidst a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is emerging to change the way monetary systems work around the world. It's called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a private, free market monetary system. It is a currency, a new form of money. It is not the liability of any bank, nor issued by any government, nor tracked by any corporation. We encourage you to learn more about it, for there is much more to learn. A good starting place is weusecoins.com. That's weusecoins.com. And uh, recently, uh, we... Last hour, we focused on the Occupy movement uh, here in New Hampshire and abroad, and now I uh, we'd, I kind of like to focus things more locally. Uh, something recently occurred in Keene. Uh, last night, there was a city council meeting to determine whose city is this, and uh, we never did find out whose it is, but uh, Jason, you have a lovely pamphlet there uh, that I believe you'd like to talk about. 
Yeah, they handed these out at the door. I guess it's probably about uh, 30, 40 pages. And uh, like Ian, or, I'm sorry, like uh, Luther said, uh, the title is Whose City Is This? And it has this uh, picture of the uh, pavilion that's located in the commons in Keene, the central square. Yes, it's a very iconic image uh, that most people in the area are familiar with. Somebody uh, drew it. And this report, uh, you know, has a forward by the uh, city manager. Um, it has all these different uh, reports from all these departments, park and recreation, um, the law enforcement in Keene. And then they have a bunch of articles uh, from the Keene Sentinel about what's going on in Central Square. But the cover grabbed my attention because it has all these little thought bubbles around this uh, this pavilion. And uh, they say, uh, Keene faces change, respect for one another, social contract, cultural evolution, objectionable behavior, rights and responsibilities, respect for social norms, code of conduct, community conversation, Transitional, all about you, social change, coexistence, what do we want? So these are like in little thought bubble clouds around the pavilion. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's just it's just the government that has this report. And the, the local media. Cites, not, yeah, cites mainstream media. Right. Uh, and they limited conversation <laughs> to how many minutes per person? Three minutes per person. That's right. How were, um, how were, some people uh, advocated for liberty, uh, including yourself. What were some of the things that were said? Sure. Uh, well, Ian got up and talked about um, – he talked about some of the causes and how the root cause is not being addressed and that it's really the war on drugs. Uh, one, uh, a young man was uh, stabbed to death, uh, unfortunately, in the, the common, and it kind of became a catalyst where more people were hanging out there more often and just, you know, hanging out, grieving uh, – Smoking pot, maybe, maybe drinking alcohol, you know, or doing whatever. And uh, some some citizens claimed that it was causing disturbance, that they were being loud, that they were being rude and, and swearing. Um, uh, and that actually got brought up a lot, the fact that they were swearing, which seems kind of silly to me. I mean, they're just words. I, I guess if you don't want to hear it, that's one thing, you know, you should just turn turn a blind ear, but... Yeah, I mean, obnoxious behavior, uh, you know, can be bothersome, uh, and I I can understand that you know some people don't like that, uh, but I don't think taking these problems to the government is going to solve any of these problems because the the city is just going to have their cops show up more and they'll use their pepper spray and their other weapons. We've seen it done before, um, and so like some me and some of my friends have been getting more and more involved in Central Square. We uh, started hosting Free Speech Friday which is a way for the community to get together after uh, Friday at, at 4 p.m. and discuss, you know, concerns or, you know, goals for the community or if they have any um, grievances they'd like to have redressed uh, or whatever. Uh, people have uh, sang a song. Uh, but the first uh, couple times uh, it got, got off to a rough start. People would pick up the microphone, and uh, one guy in particular would uh, just drop the F-bomb uh, and, and do it as loud as he could. And I mean, I don't, I don't care for that type of behavior myself. But it, you know, like you said, it didn't harm anybody. But then, as we started um, having more of these, you know, he, he would be, he would say more. And then the last one, uh, he uh, recited a Bible verse, which I thought was a nice progress. And, oh wow! And I think because uh, you know, some he, would say lack of progress. <laughs> um, well, that is true. I'm not advocating for a Bible verse, but it, it was a, a bit right. more civil the tone. I hear, yeah. I hear you. Um, and so, um, but. 
you know, that's what what is happening when you make connections with people and you don't, like, uh, avoid people by going into this government building and saying, do something about that problem definitely, out there. Right, definitely. Uh, you I, got you got to meet people. Yeah, I tried to point that out, that if people wanted it to be a, a more family-friendly environment, that they should start promoting family-friendly yep. activities. Bring and then families. families will show up. Yeah. And Just, I, I kind of wasn't taken too seriously. Actually, I had many other points I wanted to make, but the... Uh, the ch- chairman, uh, her name is Pamela Slack, and she's a particularly nasty woman, in my opinion, uh, was very, you know, kind of condescending to me, interrupting, you know, wouldn't make me make the points I wanted to make uh, to counter s- stuff that other people were saying. Uh, you know, she let them talk on the subject, but she wouldn't let me on the basis that it was off topic, even though I was discussing the same thing. I thought that was kind of strange. Right. Uh, I, I guess I'm just not part of the club. So. You, but you're looking sharp. You look like you belonged in the club with your suit and tie. That's true. <laughs> uh, I guess my, my Converse sneakers kind of gave me uh, away, though. Right. Comfortable, though. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> go back to the, this report Jason brought up. I mean, uh, I, I just happened to see it today. Jason showed me, and uh, on the the inside, the forward, the uh, sentence that stood out to me, you know, it talks about all the reports presented from different uh, pl- uh, city agencies, and it says, together they form an important and insightful commentary on the challenges faced by the city. From it, you will see that the city has a good I- idea of what needs to be done. So I only had time to scan a couple of the uh, reports that me- that are mentioned, and they both essentially conclude that, you know, uh, we need to grow in this area. Let's figure out, you know, our scope of mm-hmm. uh, power, and let's figure out how it can be financed or, you know, something like that. So Right, right. But- one, one of the suggestions that was brought up and seemed to be fairly popular and feasible in the city's eyes is that they want to create a police uh, substation downtown, mm-hmm. specifically for patrolling the downtown area and keeping it cl- clean of riffraff and ruffians. And there's also talk, uh, speaking of growing their power and authority, uh, that they would make it a park as opposed to a common space, and that would mean that they could give it hours. So, like, they could close the park at 10 p.m. Right. in the evening. But from what what I gathered, it doesn't seem like they're going to try to implement any kind of curfew on it, um, which I think is great. I mean, I'm a, a night owl myself. I love to be out late, and that's one place I can go usually and, and kind of hang out. Right, but we shouldn't be satisfied by the fact that they're not going to do this. We should say, why do you think you have authority to do this anyway? And if these are actually issues, then sell the property and let the property owner decide how it's used or not used. Right, right. I, I would I would respect that even more you know, than just a common area, I feel. And it could still be a common area. It would just be you know, maintained and managed, and the rules would be set by a private organization. Right, right. On the, one of the uh, speech bubbles Jason just read said uh, questionable or objectionable behavior. And who defines what's objection- objectionable? Once you give a certain group of people the gun and uh, say you have the right to uh, make whatever arbitrary uh, rules you want, uh, then they're only, uh, in- their incentive is to grow. And-, and-, and that's what we see from this report. And f- to allow someone to say some behavior that's objectionable, you know, like uh, it may not have a victim. It may be, like Jason said, a, a guy who swore when he first got up and spoke. And, and yeah. sure, that I, f- I may find that objectionable, but I don't want to see that person put in a cage i wouldn't pay for that but that's what we get with the state right yeah and another uh, these bubbles is a respect for social norms so i mean social norms have changed throughout time thank goodness uh it was once a, a social norm to have slaves and, and the state to force people to return uh slaves back to the plantation right um or uh, or, or or a social norm to uh after slaves were expelled here in or just down south of us in Massachusetts it was a social norm to whip them whip a black man in public if he tried to set up residence in Massachusetts right 
and, and that's not right either. Um, and, and there are other, like even smaller stuff when it comes to social norms. It's a social norm to practice Christmas, but I don't like to practice Christmas. I think it's kind of a silly holiday. Right. Uh, one of the other things that uh, they're trying to do in Central Square is uh, noise restriction. So the noisy city with all their sirens is trying to uh, crack down on uh, on other noise that takes place in Central Square. I think that has a good chance of getting passed. Government hypocrisy abounds here in Keene. <laughs> 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. we got more coming up. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com Welcome back to Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. This is Luther, Jason, and Pete. And we've been talking about uh, whose city this is here in Keene, New Hampshire. Um, There was a city hall meeting to discuss that uh, over the recent... uh, There have been incidents in the Common and the Skate Park and Railroad Square, I guess. And it also, they were kind of addressing the Occupy Keene folks. Um, So I went down to the meeting last night and there was some... uh, some constructive uh, ideas and some not so constructive. Uh, and we're just talking about this pamphlet they handed out. It's simply titled, Whose City Is This? And they never did answer that last night. Um, but it seems to suggest uh, sort of a collectivism about it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you have all these little thought bubbles that are supposed to represent what they think are different factions, I guess. They use cultural evolution and maybe that's a, a nod to a free keen uh, who uses um, the term evolution. peaceful evolution and you know for the slogan. Sure, but um, yeah, I, I didn't care for it. it. Just seemed kind of creepy to me. I don't. I'd like to know who wrote this. Uh, who drew that up? Yeah. And so, what's inside now? It's reports from different uh, uh, departments, right? And then some letters from the Sentinel. Yeah, each department was commanded to uh, write up a, a, a summary, in, uh, including how much money uh, the uh, um, the downtown has cost them, the central square. And so there's like uh, Parks and Recreation has information about like, uh, uh, do they call it graffiti removal or like chalk removal or, or something? And the police department for having to respond to uh, uh, calls. To chalking. Yeah. Well, actually, the police in Keene aren't so bad with chalking. Uh, no. I didn't think they would be because I saw um, – or I was with some officers when they were complimenting somebody for his uh, 9-11 chalk. And this was uh, probably a month before the Chalk the Police event came up. So I knew that they wouldn't hassle. And if they would – Right, right. And, and they haven't in the past. So there was an uproar, I remember, uh, back when Ian was arrested for the city council drinking game where he uh, brought a, a, an empty beer bottle with a new sticker on it that said, not a beer. It was full of water. Right. And he, uh, he, they, there was a drinking game. Ian was one of the people arrested. And so there was a chalking event that night at the square. Okay. Um, pe- people saying stuff like, uh, a man is in jail for drinking a glass of water. What's wrong here? You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But they also drew on the war monument that's down there. It's mm-hmm. a, uh, a statue of a Civil War soldier um, to honor the fallen Union members uh, in that terrible struggle. And uh, people were outraged about this, that they would defile, you know, that 
that religious artifact, as it were. I'm kind of uh, outraged that uh, the city would uh, honor war, and uh, you know, if somebody's writing a peaceful expression on that statue, I would uh, identify more with that statement than a, a statue to war. They have cannons and cannonballs in the park also that I don't like. Sure, sure, I agree. And uh, uh, like you say, um, I mean, it, I don't like honoring war like that either. You know, even if, even if it was for the cause of uh, ending another evil, you know, it was just a terrible evil in and of itself that displaced a lot of people, um, that, you know, killed a lot of people um, on both sides, you know, that crushed economies and uh, just a terrible... Uh, yeah, again, it comes down to public and private. And right now, if it's public, I mean, we let other folks set the, the terms and, and they're set ambiguously and they define them and they're constantly changing, never on the record about stuff. I mean, I would just assume have it be, uh, you know, if there's such if if they really want to uh, make that space uh, attractive, then sell it and let somebody buy it. And, and uh, you know, wherever the market demand is, I, I don't think most people would pay to go to a place where there's that's unkept or where there's uh, they'd feel intimidated. I think people would prefer to go to an area that is uh, where they can have enjoy some leisure time mm-hmm. or some other activities in a peaceful in a peaceful place. And you know, maybe a private property owner would have an incentive then to have some sort of security or have. I mean, at least an an ashtray. They don't even have that at the square. And how many you know? It's a, it's right. a, the busiest area of town, and they don't even put. The, yet they have these devices outside of all the other government buildings. You know, for their employees, they just. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. So I think with if it were privatized, the proper incentives would be yeah. there. They put one up, an ashtray, uh, but it was so flimsy that it didn't survive just a couple of days. But I, I really don't like how the uh, city of Keene is, is managing that property. I know, uh, again, uh, during the 9-11 uh, tribute, they put the fire department put American flags um, all the way around Central Square. But it was maybe two months uh, prior, um, a friend of ours, uh, Hunter and, and Bo, they uh, – organized a, a jury nullification rally, and they had uh, hand-painted signs that told people about their rights to nullify bad laws. And, uh, of course, a code enforcement officer came out and, and harassed them. Um, thankfully, they kept the signs up, but um, it just shows, you know, they're, they're arbitrary. They'll, um, they'll bend their own rules for these uh, symbols of the state, but, uh, you know, if you want to get the word out yourself, then they'll crack down on you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go to the phones. This is, of course, the uh, the show where you take control. Let's go to Richard in Ontario. Richard? Hello. Hello. What's on your mind today? Hey guys. What's up, Richard? Um, yeah, well, I've been uh, listening to your show for probably about a month now. And uh, first of all, I'm a, a government employee, so I can expect some hatred right now. <laughs> uh, we don't hate you. Yeah, we don't hate you at all. Yeah. Oh, good. Thanks. Uh so anyway, I work for the um, the Vital Statistics Office here in Ontario, mm-hmm. and um, we get a lot of letters in the mail from people, and they say things like, you know, they want to deregister their birth, because <laughs> huh. they think by having a birth certificate associated with them, it's like a, a fiat token that isn't actually their, like, representative of their, uh, like, their natural person. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, I was just wondering what you guys think of that, if you guys have heard of this before. I mean, to me, the first thing I thought about was the sovereign movement. And, you know, while I agree with the ends of people associated with that movement, I don't necessarily agree with the tactics, which is essentially to try to find paperwork loopholes in uh, documents another group of strangers has created that supposedly they claim have authority over you. So, you know, the folks acting in the sovereign movement may do things like what you've experienced, send in letters to certain agencies and say, 
you know, I recant this number or withdraw right. this from your books. But at the end of the day, the way I look at it, you know, that's only further granting that institution authority. And if and if you and if they were to actually successfully find a hole, let's just say theoretically, that uh, yeah, which, which nobody has by the yeah, way, which are no longer under your auspices, then your organization, your agency, would only have an incentive to to plug that hole and fix it, and then to say no, you're still kept under our thumb. So that's why I don't think like looking for a technicality way out of being a slave is the most uh, yeah. productive use of time. Yeah, it's like with the, a lot of the time. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like with taxation, some people will be like, uh, this amendment wasn't ratified, so there is no uh, taxation, where I, I would say uh, the government doesn't have a right to tax me to begin with. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, but what do you think about that? Well, um, it's, it's just that there's there's two different types of people who would, because um, what I would do is I would actually get, um, the, I would take the letters that were written to the Registrar General, like the, the main boss person there who signs every single birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And um, there was basically two different types of letters that I would see. The first one would be from those who are religious, and they feel that they are a, a man of God, and, and men can't create um, these tokens based on these ch- uh, children of God, because as children they're not able to consent to something like this. And the second one is that um, people would send in letters basically just trying to get away from their debts and other obligations that they have. And they say, like, I'm a natural person. Um, I relinquish all, you know, all these things attached to me, such as my bank account, my mortgage, my, uh, my truck loan, um, driver's licenses and stuff like that. Interesting and, stuff, you know, Rich. I first thought they were kind of crazy, but, you know, after uh, listening you, to things... About you're going to have to wrap it up, Richard. We're going to break. Okay. Uh-huh. Can we hold him over? Yeah, we'll hold him over. Um, stay with us, Richard. Uh, 855-450-373. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL CAI toll-free number, 855-450-3733. Now, who is SACL CAI, might you say? Well, do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to collect the you want to keep those clients too. Sacle CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com. And that's run by our friend Jason Osborne, a uh, friend of the show and a uh, major supporter of Liberty and just an all-around great guy. So thank you Jason. And this is Luther with you, Jason and Pete. Uh, the other Jason that is. Um and we have Rich, I hope, still on the air. Rich, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, great. So, uh, you in the last segment, you brought up uh, that you work for what department is it again in Ontario? It, it's the uh, well, we're the Registrar General's office. We register all the births, deaths, marriages, and changes of name that people do in, in the province. Right, right. And some folks had come in trying to seek ways to uh, basically un, 
undo their birth certificate. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, well, like um, I was saying, I, I used to be the uh, the assistant to the registrar general, the lady herself, and people would write in letters and send back their birth certificates and shred it in pieces saying, you know, delete my original birth registration off of your system because, um, and they'd also send in bills, like I was saying, like unpaid bills, like uh, even their toll bridge charges that would be sent to the driver's license or the license plate associated to that name, you know, would be tracked down to that person, they get a bill in the mail. Uh-huh. And they felt that the, um, the registrar general, since that person um, signed their birth certificate, which they produced when they got a driver's license. Uh-huh. Are you there? Well, for those loans. Well, Rich, I'm, I'm interested to hear, what would you say? Do you uh, agree in principle with the aims these uh, individuals are trying to achieve, or do you think it's just kind of... No, I think it's kind of hooey, really. I think that well, they're just trying to uh, get out of their obligations. What about the aims that the government is trying to achieve by having human beings register with them? What do you think about that? Well, that's the thing, too, is um, what, because I was in charge of um, writing letters in response to these people, one of the things that we would always specify is that the government doesn't necessarily register a person or uh, a death we register the event that it happened, the event of the birth. So whether you chose to present your birth certificate when you started these things, like your lines of credit and all these charges that are against you, all these these debts, that's kind of your problem, not ours. Well, it sounds like the uh, the bills they were sending you in were tolls and license registration, all that stuff, which is all uh, uh, a government bill. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, were well, there, were it, there it, any it, private it, debts that they were trying to settle? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there was okay. lots of private debts. Private debts to, um, like I said, private companies that own bridges and and banks and credit unions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for lines of credit, loans, mortgages. Right, but and, I hear, like I said, because yeah, Richard, I guess the the way I would come at it is that uh, once there's an organization, a group of people who say you, we mandate that if you're born in this certain area, we need to be let known about it, and there's usually fees associated with it, and then oftentimes numbers are. Uh, ascribed to those individuals, which are then ma- right. mandated that they be provided when getting employment. Uh, so they're just, uh, you know, identification number systems to enable one group of people to track and uh, tax another group of people. That's where, why I think some of the what may motivate some of these individuals, at least myself. But if you have the idea that the government is treating people like we're essentially slaves, as most people have mentioned. Um, would you agree that the person who has their signature, this mark on this certificate that this person used to acquire these debts, this person is a, an agent of the government, would they be responsible for these debts that were incurred by that person if that's what they used to incur these debts? Well, I think you should be responsible for your debts, um, but I Absolutely. think... I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think that there are, all, there are alternatives to the government being the only source of... Uh, of making these notations, of marking these events, as you said, for births and deaths right. and stuff. Um, and that leads to my follow-up question, which was, and before you guys let me go, thanks very much for taking my call. And I love your show. And uh, my last question is, in a liberty-oriented society, would we even bother registering births and deaths and changes of name and marriages and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And thanks again for taking my call. Oh, well, thanks for calling in and uh, keep listening. I guess the answer, my answer to that would be um, you, you might still want to, keep track of somebody's debt just in, or death i mean just in case somebody tries to fake their death um i don't know if birth would be so important i mean uh it wouldn't and not at least not until you started having business transactions with other people people what about passports because you need a birth certificate to get a passport to prove your citizenship well, why do we need passports i mean that's again just yeah. a restriction on the free movement of individuals it should come down to property rights it shouldn't be a random group of people saying who can and can't come on your property who you can and can't hire for your company you own 
Right, right. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, too. Hey, Rich, before you go, I just want to mention, I don't know if you've heard of the Institute for Liberal Studies, but it's a group of folks up there in Ontario, and every year they have a a conference uh, out in Orono. It's worth checking out. What city is it in? It's in Orono. Ontario, yeah. uh, Orono, Ontario. Okay. I'll have to look it up. We're in uh, Thunder Bay. We're kind of, we're actually the largest city in Ontario, furthest away from our provincial capital, so... You know, I'm actually a political science student right now, and tonight I had a great debate with my dad about um, succession away from such a big conglomerate. So, yeah, great. I have that great. aspiration. Love to hear that. Great cheerleaders and helpers with that. Right on, all the way down to the individual, man. Absolutely. All cool. right. I right, appreciate great. it. Thanks for your call tonight, Richard. But if I could jump in, I, oh. I just I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, people volunteer their information all the time on Facebook, and now Facebook is going to come up with this uh, service called a timeline where you can backfill your life and have these big photos and videos up to, like, your um, a photo of your uh, just being born um, and then your children being born. You can share all this information that you want, and people jump to it. And then with Google+, Plus, which is a Facebook competitor, Google wants you they want to know your identity and they're not letting like anonymous people on and like Twitter has a verified service so um, they can verify that you are who you say you are so there's plenty of free market alternatives not to mention like credit ratings I mean they certainly have to know who you are and who they're dealing with sure 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 and I think um, a company could uh, be in that could if it was opened up to the market, a company could step up and say, you know, I'll verify that this is this person because they're registered with us, you know, and and uh, we've they've been registered since birth or since whenever, since they were five years old, whatever. Right, right. And uh, they are who they say they are. Yeah, reputation again is key. Certain most uh, exchanges would matter. I wouldn't say if I'm selling hamburgers, mandate that I know when you're born and things like that. But if we're doing a big deal or you know, there's something going on, I, I may seek a uh, a form of identification um from an outfit that has a good reputation uh you know but again it right. would all be voluntary right so 855-450-3733 that's a toll-free number SACL cai toll-free number let's go to drew in arizona drew hey guys how you doing tonight good good what's on your mind hey what up drew well hey i just thought uh, i heard you mention you you were asking about some of the occupy movements around the country and i thought i'd share my perspective on what's going on in arizona all right, go right and, ahead. Uh, well, you know, it didn't really start here till the 15th when they had kind of the big national day of action. And on that day in particular, there were, you know, there were over a thousand people uh, downtown Phoenix near City Hall. Hmm. And uh, and it was a, a really wide, diverse group. A lot of you know, people from the right or Tea Party, you know, libertarians came to try to, you know, influence the debate uh, to the ideas of liberty. Uh, but then, you know, after that initial weekend, it kind of died down, and there's only maybe a, a, a small group that's kind of trying to continue this occupation. Um, and I, you know, I, I wanted to be optimistic, and I wanted to, to encourage, and I wanted to see it go and build into something big, but I, I have to be kind of critical of it now, because all I, I see on their live stream is, is really a, a disorganized group that doesn't even really know why they're there anymore, or they don't even know what they want, or even if they didn't know what they want, uh, or they have some of them, you know, I, I can't, I, I won't group them all together and say that they're a group, but uh, in that sense, they, you know, they don't, they don't even know how to get what they want, or if they did have a list of demands, they wouldn't know how to go about getting it. And some of the criticisms I have are, you know, I see on their Twitter a lot, you know, they say, well, we need, uh, you know, come down and, and, and we need stuff like pizza and cigarettes and, <laughs> you know, little uh, toothpicks, you know, those, those flossing toothpicks. And I just think, wow, those are some really, you know, sad things to ask for, you know, and then I saw later that they were 
you know, saying we need water and, and, and ice right away. There's no water and, and ice down here. It's obviously hot in Arizona. Right. Uh, and I thought, well, well, gee, why were you asking for cigarettes last week if now all of a sudden you need the basics? And I, so I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize them too hard, but it, it, it really, at least in Arizona, is really petered out, and you just have kind of, you know, one thing I noticed was. All right, uh, Drew, we got to go to break, but I'll tell you what, we'll keep you over and we'll bring you back. So eight five five four five zero three seven three three. This is. Free. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. That's the toll-free number you can call in, talking about anything you want. This is Luther. Jason. And Pete. And we have Drew on the line from Arizona. Drew, are you still with us? Sure am. All right, great. Um, Sorry to have cut you off in the last segment, uh, but you were discussing how Occupy uh, Phoenix has kind of died down a little bit. Yeah, I, I just, um, you know, I think there was a lot of good intentions in the beginning, and, and obviously there's there's plenty of reasons for people to be upset these days and, you know, things to protest over. But, you know, now now I just think the, the, the momentum has, has petered out, and, and now you have, you know, maybe well-meaning people but left that, you know, just aren't aren't experienced at what they're doing. And, and, uh, and I just think they're, it's just, I think, unfortunate that they're giving the whole movement. Obviously they don't. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, they're all individuals, but... I just think they're 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 kind of making it this look like more of a joke than it really is. I mean, this is dead serious stuff, and obviously what's happening in Oakland and some of these other cities is, you know, uh, uh, important to, to understand. But at least here, I just think it's kind of it's kind of withered away. You know, one thing I saw when I went back down there was a uh, you know a homeless man who was more than happy to hold up a union job sign because he was getting free bananas and such from the. From the the you know the food area there where they had some donated food items and I just thought the irony of a homeless man holding up a pro union sign was just you know, wasn't lost on me. <laughs> sure, but, sure. Um, well, union but, uh, um, unions will sometimes hire people for lower than union wages, uh, like uh, maybe Mexicans um, or people that they can find in lots uh, Home Depot parking lots or things like that, and uh, not abide by union standards. So that's always uh, amusing when they provide work like that. Oh sure, you know, and you know, like I said, this guy was more than happy to. He, he didn't maybe, you know, agree with all of this stuff that's going on. He just grabbed the sign that was sitting there. He didn't even look at what the sign was or what it represented, and he just thought he'd be helpful, and that way they wouldn't be mad when he came over and took some free free food. I'm not against him having a free meal, but you know. Uh, so anyway, it just it just you know at least locally here it it, it didn't. Didn't go the way I had hoped, and I was much more optimistic what, for it overall. Well, Drew, but, what, do you, what were some like lessons maybe you took away? Like, what could be done different? Or like, if some folks are listening from the Phoenix area, they want to, uh, you know, implement change. How would you encourage them to do so down there? Well, the thing that struck me, especially Saturday night when I was there, you know, two weekends ago, uh, 
you know, almost instantly they were having these general assembly meetings and, you know, they do this mic check thing, the human microphone, which is, is to me, is like collectivism at the core. Like, you're just going to blindly repeat whatever they say. Yeah, that was kind of uh, a really creepy aspect of it from, from uh, my perspective, yeah, just being a YouTube watcher. It, yeah, it really was kind of creepy. And, um, you know, and so, but on that, like, almost instantly there was there was this parliamentarian effort going on where it was like Robert's Rules was somehow implemented and they were... You know, like people were saying, I have a friendly amendment, and they were using these kind of, you know, uh, government, uh, you know, terms and, and, and stuff. And I'm like, where, you know, where are they getting this from? And, and someone said, oh, well, on the, the main Occupy website or one of them, you know, they have this kind of guideline of how to run a general assembly. And it's like they've implanted this idea that you need structure and government from the get-go, you know, into this movement. So when, you know, when they threatened to arrest people Saturday night, and they did here, they arrested some 46 people, that right. wanted to stay in the park past 11 o'clock. Yeah, that picture, uh, picture was powerful, man. That was crazy. Yeah, so but you had, like, city council members jumping onto it and saying, well, you know, the mayor said, well, I'll go down there and get arrested with you, and the city council people saying, well, we're negotiating with the city manager, and it's all his fault, which was all just PR. You know, they never, the mayor was never coming down to get arrested. The city council was just posturing and saying, we support you. And and if so, and at the end of the day, a lot of the occupied people were thinking, "Oh, well, okay, the city council supports us. You know, we should support them." And certainly, it was just politicians looking for re-election support and looking to build their base and jumping on. You know, Arizona's fairly Republican, so you have these Democrats who will jump on any movement for any reason just to get some support behind them. And that's and that's what they were doing on Saturday night. And so it's just it's frustrating to see politicians give lip service like they always do, but for people to just kind of follow it. And like I said, I think with the whatever the national website is that's putting out this information on how to run a general assembly, I think it's stunting their ability to grow, you know, right out of the gate. They, right. they you know, they just let it happen more organically. It'd be so nice I guess, it'd be nice maybe to solicit ideas from like a multitude of places and let, you know, just have uh, a, a number of available op, uh, options available so folks can get exposed to some Things that might work and see and maybe make a hybrid, but and just you know try to share ideas. Maybe be a, a medium to facilitate the sharing of ideas rather than only putting one like top down, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I want to be I want to be supportive, but if, if if it's not something that I, you know, I, I want to get involved in, then I'm not going to. But it's a, you know, but I can't force them obviously to think the way I do. So you know, I guess I just let it happen. But it did, you know, it did lend itself on Saturday for. You know, a lot of people to bring you know uh, alternative messages of liberty, and certainly the end the Fed the message was out in full force, and you know people were trying to say, yeah, you know, it's not the banks necessarily; it's, it's you know it's deeper than that. I would know, just... especially this. I was just going to say that that five dollar ATM fee at Chase or what, or whatever bank it was. I just thought that was the most ridiculous story in the world. You know, people are calling for government to tell the bank they can't charge five dollars. If you don't want the bank to charge you five dollars a month to use your debit card. Go find another bank. It's that simple. Right. Oh, and, sure. Uh, My and, bank doesn't you know, charge that. Yes, yeah, so I just thought that was ridiculous. And, it, it, you know, it was like on the news the night before that Obama had gotten involved in this some, or something. And it was so immediate that they just repeated that, that, yes, government needs to force, you know, Chase to not charge that. And I just, so I, right. I, I was shocked at how quickly it became this status thing and how this is a demand of government to be better and to reform itself. And, I just sure. didn't think it would so quickly go that way. Sure. Well, there, there's been some of that across the board, I think, in many of the Occupy movements. You know, um, I remember one of Adam Kokesh's videos, there was a young man who uh, 
who basically told him, well, yeah, it'd be nice if everybody uh, could get along voluntarily, but people don't agree with me, so I have to force them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was in Washington, D.C., I did an interview with the co-founder of Code Pink, and uh, they're a peace organization, but I wanted to talk to her about um, all the wars that are are taking place within communities, the war on drugs and, and other peaceful people. And uh, she basically said that if um, she has the numbers with her her group, then she can force um, people to pay for health care or whatever she wants. And uh, she at least admitted that, but um, they're not opposed to using the power of government to get what they want. You know, that's why I'm, I'm real uh, a strong advocate of just striking the root instead of just focusing on these single issues and saying, hey, as long as we get the majority, then we could point the barrel of the gun at everybody else and impose our ideas on them and steal money from them and... You know, we had a uh, video contest through Cop Lock and Strike the Root, Freedoms Phoenix, and Liberty on Tour also uh, got behind it and, and uh, sent, asked folks, hey, make chop up a video that communicates these ideas, you know, to folks on the ground with Occupy. Because like, like has been said, there's folks there that are upset. And I think, uh, as I think Drew rightly touched on, one of the main points of concern is, you know, well, then what's the next step? My question out there is, how do we get here? How do we prevent it from happening? You know, it's not to continue to look into leaders in the political system, as as has been touched on, but it's it's to look, uh, you know, for self-government, for individual responsibility, regardless of place of employment. Yep. There was a meme going around at the occupations where you just get a piece of cardboard and you write a sign on it, and I wanted to participate. So mine said, uh, mine read, in the Fed federal government. Because they're the ones that create these legal fictions that are corporations uh, that people are railing against. So if you want to get rid of one, get rid of the other. Yep. But I bring up that video because Drew made the uh, winning entry. So congrats on that again. Oh, nice. 400 bucks? Yep. And, well, uh, thanks, but I, I guess I was the only one who made one, so I won by default. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, like I told, I told you, I was actually sad because I, I really thought it was a neat concept I to know. do that. And I, I hear you, man. The goal was to get multiple entries regardless of who won you would then have you know 20 videos that express this idea and yeah, only got one but I, I was happy to pocket the 400 dollars so i bet man we, i know that. it's going to go to a good use and you know i had heard from a lot of video creators that they were going to submit something but obviously you got to change it up next time to make it a little more fruitful i think the deadline was the night that i returned from new york and i had to import all that video and right. i didn't have couldn't make the uh, midnight deadline and, and I set the bar low, Jason. You easily could have taken that. That's my four hundred dollars. <laughs> well, I, I did it in in a you know in about a twenty four hour turnaround period as well. Or I shot it Saturday and it was up Sunday night, so I I was under a deadline too. But anyway, I, I thought that was a great idea, Pete. And again, I, I hope you do something similar in the future, and and, and maybe I can help you know promote that. Right but, on, Jim. Um, right on. Thanks. Anyway, if I if I could just one last uh, thing. Uh, yesterday I heard on the show someone, one of the co-hosts was talking about you know, these new droid cell phones and GPS and technology as a double-edged sword and, and how you know, the government's tracking us and kind of the paranoia associated with that. I've actually kind of flipped my position on a lot of this thinking where I might as well embrace the technology uh, and use it to my advantage. And, and one thing I wanted to point out is this new you know, Google Maps app called Latitude uh, where you can kind of track your friends around the country. And it actually was really useful this past weekend when we traveled to San Diego and traveled through, like, five internal checkpoints on our way. We're coming up right here. We, we got to go, Drew, but thanks for your call tonight. 603, or 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. This 
This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's a SACL CII toll-free number. You can call in and talk about anything. This is Luther with you tonight. Jason. And Pete. And obviously Ian and Mark are out. Uh, They are down at a talkers convention in Texas. Are you looking for camping, hunting, and shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com, they are a family-owned and members in good standing with the Better Business Bureau. Uh, Some prices so low, they can't be mentioned. Get additional 5% off with a coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. And let's go to the phones. Uh, this is obviously the show where you can take control. And let's go to Kevin. Kevin, are you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. How are you doing tonight? Uh, good, good. It says here that you're a new listener and you just stumbled across the show. Yeah, I was driving and I lost the radio station I was listening to, so I just did a little voice search thing and it said, hey, free talk. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> Nice, well, we're we're the farm team. Uh, usually, it's Mark and Ian with you tonight, but I'm glad you like this show so far enough to call in. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm having a good time listening. Yeah. So, um, what I wanted to talk about is uh, I'm a an, an analyst uh, for a financial firm, just brand new, actually, just graduated college uh, back in May, and um, I'm noticing one of the um, one of the nice uh, one of the things about um, people who are in debt is that the um, rate of inflation, as it goes up, it devalues their debt, and uh, and then they, you know, relatively because of the inflation, they don't owe as much. So I, I'm putting together um, an essay, probably close to the same length as my piece, and so far it's about 20 pages. I'm thinking about 80. But um, it seems like a sustained inflation would devalue the national debt, and in a way, you know, make it much easier to pay off because the debt is that, you know, we have $14 trillion in debt. And sustained controlled inflation, you know, after maybe 10 years of it, then our $14 trillion in debt would be worth, you know, the equivalent to one point four. then. Wait, you say we have this debt. Uh, who, who do you mean we have this debt? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the United. The national debt is about fourteen trillion dollars. Oh, okay. I don't associate myself with uh, those people. Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, well, that. Uh, uh, I, I say we. I believe that's <laughs> the idea uh, on why the Federal Reserve has been inflating the money supply. Uh, is that you know, if we just make our money so worthless, we can pay off that debt really easily. But I think uh, what's going to happen is the countries that we owe this debt to, or the other central banks, or uh, that the national debt uh, owes. Um, I. I had to correct myself there. Um, I think what's going to happen is that they're not going to want to accept our dollars because they're not going to be worth anything if we devalue it so much, or if they devalue it so much. Right. Right. And I'm not. I'm not talking about you know instant massive inflation. You know, sometimes like you see, I, I, there was an example. Uh, I think it, I believe it was uh, Bolivia, where the uh, you know the money somebody would get paid. You know, thirteen thousand Bolivian dollars, and by the time they got home from work with their money, then it would be worth a tenth of what it was. I'm, that's, I'm, <laughs> that's an extreme case. Yeah. I'm talking about, a, say, a sustained control uh, thing, right. where maybe over a period of 10 or 15 years, the value of the, the, value of the debt goes down by about 50%. It's, while a, good, it's a good question. 10 or 15 it's years a good question, of regular um, unassisted inflation 
would be about 10%. We're talking about 50. And yes, that would be a, that would make it austere. But most of, you know, most of the government debt, granted a chunk of it is owned by other central banks and other invest in other countries, but most of the national debt is owned by investors in the United States. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, Kevin, but at the end of the day, I mean, no individual or group of experts knows how to run a, an economy, much less a mon- monetary supply, you know, whether it's a controlled 10-year, 15-year plan or hyperinflation. I mean, the, this is uh, it's completely arbitrary. They're operating with fiat-based currency. It has nothing backing it. They print it out of thin air. So, I mean, if, to get more of it in circulation only continues to devalue all goods and services that, you know, rely on this medium of exchange. So, I mean, as with anything else, anything that's uh, has competition, has uh, proper incentives, you know, it's, it's much more transparent, accountable, and uh, that's why I think there's it has been a big movement towards um, other means of exchange, including precious metals or advocates of open banking, for example. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm losing you guys here. Thanks for letting me on the air and getting my piece in. All right. Well, Sorry, I'm, I'm losing my reception. Keep, keep listening, Kevin, and thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see how that... It's very appealing to want to inflate it so that debt, you know, will be more manageable. But the consequences of that are so uh, drastic and so negative that it's really not worth it at all. Um, it's better to just not have that debt to begin with. And um, I don't know how how the national debt can go away. I don't really concern myself with that. Um, it's it's going to cause problems down the road. I can definitely foresee that, especially if they continue to pump money into the into circulation into the economy. Right. It's just bubble after bubble, and eventually, you know, there's never been a fiat-backed currency in the history of the world that is able to sustain itself, and the Federal Reserve notes are no exception. Yeah, I didn't mean to uh, pick on the guy by uh, differentiating myself with that debt, I, but I think it's important that people repudiate that debt and don't consider it theirs, because... Personally, I don't like uh, how that money was spent. I don't like how the money is raised. Uh, it, you know, they force people to, to um, you know, pay their taxes in order to fund war, the police state, all these things. And so, I would like to do without those things. So, I, I definitely repudiate that, and I would encourage everybody else to also. Sure, sure, and, and open the market up to uh, to different monies and let them compete. Uh, and that's actually originally how the dollar came about here in the states. Uh, the Spanish dollar or Spanish real was. Uh, a coin minted down in South America and shipped out of Panama, but it circulated through North America as well with the British and French colonies here. And uh, uh, at the time, the United States government uh, had continental dollars, and they weren't worth anything because they were just paper promises like what we have now. But people were using silver coins anyway um, as as a medium of exchange or bartering in other ways. And so uh, I think it was during George Washington's presidency, uh, they adopted a silver standard based on the Spanish dollar. And then later, I think under Jefferson, they started minting uh, dollars. I'm not sure on that, though. Yeah, there's a big advocate of leaving people resources to check out. So if you want to learn more about this, a, a book I think probably all of us in this room are familiar with and a lot of listeners are is uh, What Has Government Done to Our Money by Murray Rothbard. It's just over – it's 120 pages, real slim read, mm-hmm. but it uh, has a lot of historical uh, – uh, context and uh, how it's applicable today. So right, what right. has government done to our money? It's free online through the Mises Institute. Yeah, and he has other books on the subject that are good, like A History of uh, Money in the uh, Americas, which I thought was really good. And then they discuss how the colonies were um, inflating their money supply 
and it caused uh, a lot of problems, and the British government was cracking down on them. So when the uh, Articles of Confederation were written, uh, and later the Constitution, they banned states from uh, making anything money except silver and gold. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so eventually they phased out precious metals backing currency, and I think Nixon was the last president. Yes, uh, he, he killed the gold standard, and the history of that was uh, the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913, um, and slowly they just started putting more paper into circulation instead of coins. And then by 1964, they stopped, they devalued uh, their, their coins that they had in circulation. They started, instead of making them out of 90% silver, they were, uh, for, some of them were 40% silver and some of them were just like a copper nickel uh, mix. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten even cheaper since then. Like our pennies are just zinc, you know, it's... it's uh, and those, those, ni- uh, those dimes that were printed before when? 64. 64. 64 are, and, and prior. They're worth about $3 now, I believe. Right. There's that a, sounds about right. Yeah, check out. There's a silver calculator app that uh, Drew, who called in earlier, him and his colleague uh, Nick, uh, developed, but it's free for Droid and iPhone. Silver calculator. Yeah, and what I think check is interesting is uh, you could buy more than a tank of gas with a, a quarter back then. I was going to bring that up. Ron Paul mentioned that in the debate because and, Michelle and, Bachman was saying... If I'm president, I'll get gas below $3, and Ron Paul's like, I'll get it below a dime, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. So 855-450-3733. We'll be taking your calls when we come back. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's a show where you take control, and this is Luther, Jason, and Pete. And Ian and Mark are down in Texas tonight. Um, I'd like to talk to you about Jurisdictionary.com. Have you ever been the victim of an injustice and then decided to do something about it because attorneys are just too expensive? Or, I'm sorry, to do nothing about it because uh, attorneys are too expensive. Jurisdictionary.com is the course for people who don't have attorneys. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. Until you know these rules, you're fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs and defendants in civil or criminal manners in state or federal courts. It costs less than an hour with with any good attorney, and the 4CD course is so easy that the average 8th grader can learn it in a weekend. Visit Jurisdictionary.com and download the free tools they have there for you. The free legal flowchart, the free weekly tips and tactics newsletters, use the free legal dictionary, excuse me, uh, watch the free videos, then buy the course. Jurisdictionary.com, remember to use the pull-down menu when you check out to let, the, to let them know that you heard it from Free Talk Live. This is Jurisdictionary.com. And uh, 
Before we get to your calls, this is a show about your calls, after all. Uh, but before we do, I just want to remind our listeners out there that tonight is the last night to vote at podcastawards.com for Free Talk Live. Um, the voting ends at midnight Eastern. Uh, go there. We're in the political slash news category and uh, vote us up. We've uh, won that award many times in a row. Uh, well, several times, I believe five times over the last year. So uh, let's keep up that tradition. Uh, go to podcastawards.com. And we have callers on the line. Let's go to Brad in Minneapolis. Brad, are you with us? Oh, hello. This is Brad uh, in Minneapolis, as you said. Um, uh, I called in on Tuesday to tell you about uh, a protest uh, regarding raw milk. Um, right. I heard that. Uh, a bunch the of folks Freedom Riders, coming. right? That's right, raw milk Freedom Riders. And uh, I mentioned uh, on Tuesday that uh, my wife and a friend of hers are going to go down uh, and join, be part of that protest. They have just uh, taken an online course on activism, and I thought you guys could uh, give them uh, some pointers on the activist uh, experience you guys have had in Keene with your Free free State Project. Um, So I'm going to give you now here to my uh, my, our friend, um, Natasha, uh, and she's going to... about what she's doing on the Run Up Freedom Riders, and uh, you guys can uh, give her pointers on activism. All right, sounds good. Uh, So I guess we're going to talk to Natasha. Natasha, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hey, Natasha, thanks so much for uh, for doing this in the first place. Oh, you know what? We have to. I guess it's one of those things where if you don't don't stop it at some point, it's going to keep on going forward, and it'll be too late to try and stop anything. Absolutely. So, I guess for the audience, can you just uh, you know briefly describe uh, what you have um, in store? Yeah, I, um, I'm nervous. The, if, if people want more information, they can go to rawmilkfreedomriders.com. But the gist of what we're doing is, it's moms from, and people from across the country are going to meet in Pennsylvania and defy the FDA's ban on the interstate commerce of raw milk. Mm-hmm. and purchase the milk in Pennsylvania, cross the border, and then hold a, a peaceful protest in front of the FDA. Um, and our focus is on the FDA's aggression towards small farms and the farmers and on the FDA's ban on interstate commerce of brown milk. Mm-hmm. And I think that the timing is really pertinent right now because right now, I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but up in Canada, a farmer, Michael Schmidt, is on. He's coming up on a month of a hunger strike. He's been persecuted by the Canadian government, and they ruled in his favor at one ruling, and in this last month, they ruled against him and held him guilty of everything. So he's on a hunger strike, and all actually the whole point of his hunger strike is to meet with the Premier of Canada, and he has not been given a meeting yet, because he just wants to meet and explain why he feels this is wrong, and the Premier will not meet with him, so he's, he's coming up on a bunch of his hunger strike. Wow. That's... And you can find out about that at um, thecompletepatient.com. Wow, that's they want to know more about that. pretty powerful stuff. And uh, a hunger strike is a bold statement. It says, you know, that you're willing to put your life on the line, that you believe in this so passionately. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, and he's doing it. Uh, go on. Oh, oh he's, he's doing it. I mean, they've persecuted him, and so his livelihood is, is... He's not even doing it because of that. He's doing it because he recognizes that if we take away this food, we lose, we lose our health and mm-hmm. we lose our children, and it's gone. Yeah. Uh, there was a judge, I, I can't remember where he was, but he, he's actually been quoted as saying, um, you don't have the right to choose what food you put in your body. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and you know what's interesting about that judge? His name is um, 
all of like you know Fiedler. Judge Fiedler ruled it last month in Wisconsin, and there has been such a backflow on it Good. that um, he has resigned from his position, and oddly enough, now works for Monsanto. <laughs> oh, he works wow. the legal, not directly for Monsanto, but on the legal firm that represents Monsanto. So wow. we know wow. where his where his strings are being pulled. So. Uh, uh, you guys called in to hear tips and things, and I'm at your website, and I think you're doing a lot right. Uh, earlier, you described that your tactics were going to be peaceful. Um, you're doing a good job pu- uh, publicizing the civil disobedience of crossing state lines. Uh, something that we were using more and more here in Keene is that we're live uh, videoing things. So that way, if people can't make it out to your rally, uh, they can at least watch live. And when we were at the Jefferson Memorial, we had about a 1,000 people uh, watching the 300 people that showed up there, and it made us all feel much safer. Um, yeah, also, uh, in case they try to confiscate video cameras, if you're uh, just recording it, if you're broadcasting it live, on the other hand, it, it's already out there on the Internet. There's nothing they can do to erase that footage and erase their guilt. That's true. Oh, that's a very good point. Okay. Yeah, and I think y- y'all's proximity, I mean, southeast Pennsylvania, looks like your meetup starts. I would, uh, I mean, we try to reach out to some of the Philly-based activists and stuff, get more cameras out there, get more support, and just continue to do outreach. But, you know, like Tally said, I think uh, the more more devices to film and uh you know, make sure folks know if they're going to be traveling in vehicles, obviously, like if they get stopped, what their rights are uh, regarding that. You know, uh, people want to run through scenarios ahead of time. Make sure they're, uh, they have recording devices nearby. Make sure they know their rights. They don't consent and things like that. Okay. And where do we find that kind of information? What's the best source? Um, um, for, would... for Pennsylvania, I'm not so sure. Um, you mean like on um, activist tips? Well, yeah, like you said, like knowing the rights when you get pulled over. Oh. It's just kind of, it's really, we're just moms from Minnesota driving out because we feel like <laughs> well, we have to, you know, we don't want to let our kids and say we didn't do anything. And so I don't know where to find, to find uh, that kind of thing, I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, there is a DVD on interactions with cops. I believe it's called uh, Busted. There's that. There's Flex Your Rights. Flex Your Rights, yeah. Org, yeah. I believe. Yeah, Cop, okay. Cop Lock has some stuff. I'm affiliated uh, with that as it's a decentralized organization. But, I mean, really, if you want to... Uh, if you're looking around and haven't found what you uh, answers your questions, I'd be happy to talk to you offline, like uh, you know, later tonight or another at another time, and try to bring you up to speed or share some resources with you. Right, right, and just That's some great. some general advice for dealing with cops is uh, don't answer their questions. Instead, ask them questions. Put them on the spot. Okay. Um, they're the ones who should be defending themselves. They're the ones who are aggressing against you. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's kind of, I mean, I know I've, I've seen the organization, um, org that talks about yep. that. that's Indeed. That's another good one. So, uh, is, there, okay. is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Natasha? Because um, uh, we have to go to break. Please. I can hold you over if you'd like. Um, sure, that would be great. If you had questions regarding the children. Okay, we'll, we'll, we're just going to put you on hold. We'll be right back with Natasha and more on this Freedom Ride. This is Free Talk Live. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A -a pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com.
This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Last half hour of the show now. Um, This is Luther. Jason. And Pete. Uh, Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many... Well, I wasn't. Mark was. Uh, You know that crap is going to kill you, right? There is a healthier option. Uh, 2,200 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack a day smoker will save $120 a month, and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth, no more smell, no more secondhand smoke. You can use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60, and a free starter kit which uh, with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855-2-GET-VAPOR to, uh, to go to vapor or go to vaporsmiths.com and i am not a smoker but i have had the vaporsmith and other similar electronic cigarettes and uh i, I like them as a, a an alternative to that i'd like to encourage all of my friends to uh, switch to this method instead of smoking cigarettes because uh, cigarettes smell yeah i've even seen non-smokers adopt these new e-cigs and uh sure sure even ian the, the main host on the show uh has one that he likes to puff on so uh we were talking with natasha um, and she's with the Freedom Riders for Raw Milk. And Natasha, are you still with us? Yes, I'm right here. Okay. And uh, what is the website for this organization again, if you want to just put that out? Yeah, it is rawmilkfreedomriders.com. All right. So rawmilkfreedomriders.com. All right. And uh, we had to cut you off to go to the break. Um but you had called in to talk about this event. It's going to be mothers uh, taking a ride with raw milk uh, across state lines and then drinking it right in front of the uh, FDA's headquarters, right? Yep. All right. And um, uh, you asked us about uh, tips, uh, activism tips uh, for interacting with police, for being effective, that kind of stuff, right? Um, is there any other questions yep. you wanted to ask? Yeah. Well, because of the nature of this, this is moms and from all across the country. And so being moms, we, we we're bringing our children with us first just to educate them on, hey, this is civil disobedience, this is what it means to be a citizen. But also for the more logical, practical thing of somebody's got to watch the kids. So, we, we're you know, this is a multi-day event. It takes two days to get out there and two days to get back. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out and didn't know what your guys' experience or advice was. Um, if there, you know, the FDA has said that they're going to be present, if there are arrests that happened, we've talked about different scenarios of one being, don't have the children actually be in the vans that cross the line, just have them come to the event, so that they circumvent the entire thing of being there. And then the second option, talking about um, having paperwork for legal guardianship. And so we just didn't know, uh, being concerned that the children, if they're in the car, that we're going to end up, everybody gets arrested, and then the state takes the kids, and that would be really, right. really bad. Um, or even if just they're at the event, what is what was your experience with that? Have you had that happen? What do people do in that situation? Um, well, I, I guess uh, one thing I might su- the only thing I can think of really to suggest is um, have maybe maybe have somebody team up with them and say, if I get arrested, you know, I can watch your kids. I, I'm not sure that yeah. they're going to arrest all of you. Um, or, or have people not involved, you know, who can watch uh, the kids as well, you know, and take care of them and, and then bail you out of, until you get out of jail if, you, if they end up arresting okay. you. So I would... Okay. So... Um, is the plan to have raw milk in every single vehicle that's on this caravan? I think so. Yeah, everybody's going to plan on having the milk. 
Um, but what we talked about, like my, my friend Melanie, we, was, we were saying that one person would actually be in a vehicle crossing the border with the milk. The other person would just take, take the children and not have the raw milk just so that they're not doing it, you know, so that the children are yeah. with somebody who's Right. Not that sounds pretty sound. sound. I like that idea. I think uh, I don't think the police really need to know which vehicles have raw milk in this caravan. And if I mean, yeah. each each vehicle can certainly have signs and raise awareness about uh, it being a raw milk caravan. But I don't think you need to identify which vehicles have the raw milk. And because of that, um, the police aren't uh, who knows. But I don't think they're going to stop every single vehicle in this caravan and search for raw milk. I think you're going to make it safely to your destination, which is the FDA headquarters, where you can reveal the raw milk and um, maybe hand out samples and show people enjoying it and um, having a good time. Okay. I don't know, Pete. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say everything when you go when you uh, confront the folks who think they have a legitimate right to use force is comes down to a personal preference where their line is. So there may be some folks that you traveled with from the Midwest that say, "Hey, I'm already putting. I have a four day sunk cost and a driving there and back. Like I care about this. I'm not, you know, let's just. I'm just going to have milk in my car. I'm not going to act any differently. There is no victim. You know, I want to have my kids with me because this is educational." you know, experience yeah. and there's no victims. So like I weren't, I want to just show my kid that we don't need to live in fear. So that may be, you know, it's, it comes down to the individual. There could be a, you know, some folks who choose that, some folks who choose, but, but whatever happens, I would say, make sure there's a, uh, you know, everyone has phone numbers shared with next, you know, other contacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may want to think about like uh, if, there, if people do have smartphones, like downloading free apps to get them encrypted, you can download free apps so you can wipe them remotely um, oh, you can download okay. yeah, free, a free app that'll, um, you know, if someone gets the phone and tries to change a number, you'll still be notified. I mean, there's things like that. And I, I also would say, uh, with, along with all the filming, uh, to do the live streaming if possible. So, you know, ideally if, if you do have a caravan and there's more than a few people, uh, there'll be people on different services, uh, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, whatever. So, and using different applications, there's uh, free live streaming software like Justin TV, Ustream, Livestream, and Quick, and uh, any one of those. It just, I mean, I know there'll be times when you're on your caravan that you'll be outside of internet contact, but uh, having uh, a lot of different layers uh, to of redundancy to will, will really help y'all. And I would just have that feed embedded on your homepage, so if folks aren't able to make it in person, they could watch it and see what's going down live. I mean, you guys could do updates when you when you take shipment when you cross the line when you get down there and you know if something is to happen then people see it right there it's objective and they can call right away they can get uh needed uh you know attention on on the ground okay and and i guess one other thing that we brought up in our class tonight have you guys ever done if, if the sheriff you know kind of the whole sheriff matching that the sheriff comes off does it ever work to go to the sheriff ahead of time and just kind of say trying to educate them and say hey i'm not some crazy person this is what i'm hearing i'm hoping is that is that a good thing or does that usually not work? I wouldn't plan on that working, but I think it's always a okay. good idea to educate folks and uh, let them know that you're you're a human being. You 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 own yourself. You want to drink raw milk, uh, mm-hmm. and you should have the right. And let that uh, law enforcer really think about uh, what their actions when they put their hands on you. Um, you know what that's about, and if they're going to be proud of that decision or not. Yep, it, it's also important to stay calm. You know, it's you're obviously going to be pretty amped up when a cop's in your face, and you know the potential of you being arrested is present. You know, you're going to be excited, your adrenaline's going to be rushing, so uh, it's important to stay as calm as possible. Yeah. That's that's a great tip because uh, people are going to watch these videos and they're going to d- determine who's a good guy and who's a bad guy, and 
I'm looking at your website and your cause, and you guys are clearly the good guys here. The state shouldn't be telling you um, what you can and can't uh, consume. Right. The more eyes you can get on it, the safer you'll be. So, you know, like Jason said, maybe contacting the sheriff's not going to be the end all, but at least, you know, if yeah. you share a public uh, press release with a bunch of news agencies, with, with law enforcement organizations, whoever, then you're saying, I got nothing to hide. I'm, just, I'm doing this, and, you know, other people have been made aware and will um, come to your aid if need be. Okay, that's wonderful advice. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Oh, and thanks best for wishes. Your call. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a great idea, and I also yeah. best wishes to you and everybody else there who's uh, making this ride. And so that's Thank a you very much. You bet. That's a rawmilkfreedomriders.com. It's a pretty cool site. Yep. So, uh, what are, I remember up in Vermont uh, when I was living up there that there was something, uh, the bill was being introduced about raw milk and some libertarians there uh, got together and had Butter Appreciation Day down at the uh, the state house in Montpelier. And what they did is they brought, you know, bread and butter and just, just ate or, or other things you could put butter on, I guess. Nice. So Nice. And so this is kind of on a grander scale, and I feel that it's a good thing. I mean, they've been arresting Amish people for selling milk, you know, and really they should just be left alone, as it should, everyone should be, to make decisions for themselves and uh, trade with whoever they want. Yeah, people think this is like a, a not a big deal, a small issue, but, uh, you know, this is where, uh, you know, their state is trying to infringe on liberty, and I'm glad these guys are resisting now. Yep, 855-450-3733. One more segment coming up. Uh, We can still take your calls if you make them. This is Free Talk Live. The first secret to success is recognizing opportunity. The second is to act on it. But how do you gain the skills to know how and when? AllSuccessClub.com Meet successful individuals online and in exotic locations around the world. Find out from the rich and famous how they went from rags to riches and learn how to achieve financial independence for yourself. Your path to success begins now at allsuccessclub.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. This is Luther, Jason, and Pete. And you can check out the cam at cam.freetalklive. And we are getting candy right now. We got a little early Halloween present. Thank you, Michelle, uh, co-host on the show sometimes. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about the Free State Project. It's... uh, are you frustrated at the loss of freedom and responsibility in America while growth of government and taxes continue unabated? Yes. Do you want to live in strong communities where your rights are respected and people exercise responsibility for themselves and in their dealings with each other? Heck yes. If you answered yes or heck yes to those questions, then the Free State Project has a solution for you. What is The Free State Project is an effort to recruit 20,000 liberty-loving people to move to New Hampshire. We are looking for neighborly, productive, talented folks from all walks of life, of all ages, creeds, and colors who agree to the political philosophy expressed in our statement of intent that government exists at most to protect people's rights and should neither provide for people nor punish them for activities that interfere with no one else. Go check out freestateproject.org. And there's about a thousand of us that have moved, right? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the movers. Uh, did you guys sign the signature of intent? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yep, I did. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't sign that I moved here when, like, I didn't uh, count myself when I moved in, so I don't know what mover I am. Some people like to say, oh, I'm mover number 857 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah, it seems I. irrelevant. I didn't know. Is there, like, a central database we're supposed to register with? Or? They like for you to email somebody, and I did that, mm-hmm. and then I just, uh, when they told me that, that, when they thanked me for my email, I looked at the counter and I said, well, that's going to be my number. I see. Well, <laughs> Carla, if you're listening, then uh, you might want to count me. <laughs> <laughs> count me as well. Um, what are we going to talk about, guys? Actually, well, uh, we want we want to do a strong close because we only have like eleven minutes, so we were right. trying to get you to play the ukulele, but I don't see that out. Right. Well, I figured you know maybe if we uh, if we could set up some explosives, some pyrotechnics, you know, then I could play the ukulele. Oh, but, right, right, right. We need a, a budget for that. Right. Yeah, yeah it's just do. not in the budget. This is we're just filling in tonight. I'm, well, I really had a good time tonight uh, yeah. talking with you guys, but I have like this Halloween candy, so when the show's over, I'm going to munch down on that. All right. Well, it's not over just yet. I, um, I mean, I would say like to, to pull off the, uh, to trail off from the uh, Free, Free State Project plug, and you know, we're all here, and the, you know, folks that are in this area are mostly here for the same reason, um, you know, liberty in our lifetime, and it's not just a tagline. I would hope uh, a lot of, there's other good people on the ground elsewhere outside of the Shire that we've all met, and communicate with online that have expressed interest at visiting or moving up here and i would just say you know if if you do want to bring about liberty in your lifetime it's not just a tagline then then i would encourage you to make the move you know i'm a little little down right now because uh it actually it snowed right now or it it is snowing i'm not sure which but right it's a very uh, slushy kind of snow right but uh i you know you can put a jacket on for liberty and be around this awesome supportive community yeah i'd say it's definitely worth the trade-off i come from florida you know where Snow is a four-letter word. Yep, same here. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I've managed to adjust just fine. Right. You know, it, it, I'm comfortable up here, and this is a beautiful place to live. I really love the outdoors, and uh, I can't think of eh, maybe Oregon. But anyway, uh, New England's nice. You know, I've been in Maine and Vermont, and I go down to Massachusetts often, and my grandmother lives in Connecticut, and uh, I'm looking for excuses to go to Rhode Island. But uh, Pretty much, you know, just the entire area is great. So even if you move to New Hampshire, you have more than just what's in New Hampshire. Right, and the community is the, community is the thing that sets it apart. You know, elsewhere there's definitely uh, groups of awesome folks that get together and do stuff, but uh, here it's just the numbers and the breadth of activism and, you know, inside, outside. It's yeah. just, it's awesome. And, and New Hampshire in general has always been very community-based and very community-focused uh, for the most part, so... Right, it's great seeing people rally uh, to help one another. I know um, I'm not uh, I'm not sure how much it was talked about on Free Talk Live yet, but uh, a friend of ours, uh, Bo Davis, was uh, recently arrested um, for what, the charge was what distributing um, a manufactured a substance, substance or something, yeah. controlled yeah, substance. Yeah, so that's what the state alleges. But uh, you know, we know him to be a, a really nice, peaceful guy. And uh, so members of the uh, the community here are, are probably going to get together and um, form the Shire Choir going around to the uh, state liquor stores where they can uh, let the customers know that um, this nice, peaceful man is being caged by the same state that is selling them liquor, uh, liquor being far more harmful than, uh, than marijuana. So I think a lot of people want to uh, bring that point home. Derek, uh, Jay Freeman, another host of Free Talk Live. Uh, he has a um, a possession case uh, coming up before the uh, court. Uh, when Adam Kokesh was here, he made a video of uh, Derek's arrest, and you know he's just holding a, a pipe with uh, with cannabis in it, not harming anybody, and yet uh, he was taken away. So 
that's the thing about uh, living in uh, New Hampshire, the live for your die state. Uh, they still will cage peaceful people for um, for possession of cannabis, for using a drug that they choose to use uh, that isn't authorized by the state. And so that's something that we really need to work on. Right. It's crazy. And, and the, the fact that uh, these charges, these uh, threats are levied against people, I think, oftentimes are done in a, in a, a, a um, to try to chill dissent, to chill people from standing up for their rights. And in fact, it's only, I think, united and made the community stronger. You know, there may be, uh, I went to a court case yesterday for a friend in, in Concord, and he had merely uh, witnessed some uh, people with badges on their chest uh, talking to some other folks who looked a little, uh, he said, razzled. And he uh, walked nearby and encouraged, encouraged them not to speak to the police, asked them if he wanted to film, if they would like him to film. And uh, eventually the uh, two people with badges on there uh, took, pushed my peaceful friend against a wall, handcuffed him, and uh, are you know levying threats against him. So the fact that there were a number, number of folks out there to support him, and on Monday I had court in Manchester and the same thing happened there. Um, you know, it's just the support on the ground makes a big difference. It certainly does. And, uh, well, free speech and uh, drug prohibition aren't the only issues going on here in New Hampshire. And actually, this is another free speech case. But uh, this happened two years ago in on Mount Monadnock, which is a very popular hiking destination in the area. It's one of the most hiked mountains uh, in the country, if not the most, I believe, uh, just because it's an easy climb, just two hours up, two hours down. Uh, I even made it up in an hour once, not that I'm bragging. Um, kind of sound like you were. Why bring it up then? Oh, well, you know, people need to know this. This is important information. I got 59 minutes then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bigfoot takes free speech fight to New Hampshire High Court. Uh, on a whim two years ago, performance artist Jonathan Doyle paraded around the bustling peak of New Hampshire's Mount Monadnock in a $40 Bigfoot, Bigfoot costume from iParty. iParty is a local party uh, store. They also sell Halloween costumes and uh, other other goods. Uh, he thought his deadpan video interviews with hikers describing their Bigfoot sightings would be worth a few chuckles on YouTube and might boost the profile of his other artwork. Uh, but the staff at Monadnock State Park found the Yeti act abominable. When Doyle returned with friends to shoot a sequel, the park manager quashed the production and ordered Doyle off the mountain, insisting he needed a state permit to film a movie in the park. Where's the victim? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Bigfoot stepped up with a lawsuit alleging that the park's permit regulations uh, is unconstitutional. The New Hampshire Supreme Court next month will hear Doyle's complaint. Though many elements of the dispute uh, border on the absurd, the case raises some serious free speech issues. Well, I, I hope they're really absurd, and I always like it when people uh, kind of mock the system and really mock uh, uh, the tyranny and especially the court system, which is ridiculous in and of itself. It's it's like I've said many times, it's like a religion. There's a ceremony involved in it. You know, you must stand for the man in the robe. He sits above you. He wears the, like they all have their costumes that they wear and their places that they stand. Yeah, the whole state is a, is a great fiction, man. It's just uh, you have to have, believe out in this arbitrary authority you know it's uh the, the suspension of logic yeah when i was studying anthropology briefly in my short college career uh i remember learning that all ceremonies are enactments of a myth and it wow. seems to me that the ceremony that they're enacting in court is the myth of uh of state authority the myth of justice as well that they yes. can administer that with a, a monopoly on uh, an important service like justice mm -hmm. I, I have a, a legal document for one of my uh for my trial coming up 
And uh, it ends with, wherefore, the state of New Hampshire prays that the defendant be held to answer to this charge and that justice be done. I'm like, praise? That doesn't seem appropriate uh, to be in this legal document. And so I looked at the definition. It's uh, address a solemn request of thanks to a deity or other object of worship. And and so this is the prosecutor talking to the judge, essentially. Wow. Creepy. Uh, it. I'll continue here. Uh, Doyle's lawyer, Barbara... Keshin says, uh, with what this lawsuit is about for us is preserving the right of the little guy to express himself artistically. Uh, and this is, uh, she works for the Civil Liberties Foundation, the New Hampshire Civil Liberties Foundation. Uh, that's kind of big for someone like me uh, who, you know, is an artist and does go out and perform. You know, there's a lot of people who try to curb that, and I think that's wrong. Well, it's been Luther and Jason and Pete. And I think we had a good night, guys. So don't forget to vote over at podcastawards.com for Free Talk Live. Voting ends at midnight, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Support Yeti Freedom. And now it's time for the Leadership Radio Minute with tips and advice on how to maximize your own leadership potential. Here's international leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author, John C. Maxwell. Good leaders never forget that leadership is all about people. Leadership expert Warren Bennis and Burton Annis put it this way. Leadership is an essentially human business. What we have found is the higher the rank, the more interpersonal and human the undertaking. Our top execs spend roughly 90% of their time with the messiness of people's problems. If you want to become a better leader, learn to see people's problems not as a nuisance, but as an opportunity to invest in people. When leaders help people to solve their problems and improve their lives, they not only help the person and improve the team, but they strengthen the relationship between the leader and the individual who has been helped. For the Leadership Radio Minute, I'm John C. Maxwell. For more information on how to maximize your own leadership potential, please visit johnmaxwell.com. True leadership isn't a matter of having a certain job or title. In fact, being chosen for a position is only the first of the five levels every effective leader achieves. In his new book, The Five Levels of Leadership, leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author John C. Maxwell helps you to become more than the boss people follow only because they're required to. He gives advice on how to grow further, achieve results, and build a team that produces. The Five Levels of Leadership, the newest book from John C. Maxwell, is available wherever books are sold.